Welcome to the Sweet Vegan Spills the Tea Nutrition and Holistic Health Podcast. I'm Jennifer Chapman. I am a holistic nutritionist, a vegan health coach, and a studying nutritherapy practitioner and naturopathic doctor. I'm also the host of this show. Over 10 years ago, I survived a near-fatal autoimmune disease and immediately adopted dramatic nutrition and lifestyle changes. And I started on a journey leading to what I imagine will probably be a lifetime of passion-driven research and education on all things holistic health and nutrition. This is the inspiration behind this podcast, where we talk about everything from cooking, diet, gut health, and mental health, to hormones, the neurological system, and immune system, and beyond. We talk food, remedies, lifestyle hacks, and so, so, so much more. I really, really hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So along with all of the diet culture, the diet plans, the weight loss products and creepy foods that have been, you know, pushed in our faces and what have you, we've also had this really beautiful pushback of a lot of people revolting against that diet culture. And that's been really cool because it's not just been a verbal thing. It's not just been people saying like, you should love yourself, hashtag self-love. Like it's, there's been, you know, um, actual women out there with actual bodies who are showing people what their day in their life looks like and, you know, not afraid to show their bodies. And I'm not saying that everyone should show their body. That's not necessarily a a sign of self love or that you are not proud of your body because you're not an exhibitionist either. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But if you are comfortable sharing your body and being like, look, I'm not ashamed. This is me. I think that's amazing. And I love that so much. As a burlesque performer, at one point, um, when I was thinking about not doing it anymore, which there have been many points um, in my life, but at one point I was thinking about doing it anymore. And a couple came up to me after the show and the woman was quite large and as was her husband and she was weeping and he was thanking me and I didn't really understand what was happening and because it's not normal for someone to cry at you after you get off stage when you just took your clothes off for them it's a it's a confusing message but anyway he thanked me for showing her that you could be beautiful and sexy no matter what size or shape your body was and that you didn't need to be you know, under a hundred pounds to be on stage showing your body off and, and that she very sweetly, um, whatever, she thought that I was beautiful and sexy and, and, and inspiring. And it, it was just so touching. It was just so beautiful. And so I, you know, said, you're welcome and please go home and have sex with the lights on. Cause they never had, and they'd been married for years. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful that you were able to offer that to them without even knowing, just by you showing up as you. I know. So that kept me on stage for many more years because just that alone, I was like, that's crazy that this woman saw me on stage taking my clothes off and was like, this is not about, you know, your size. This is not about your shape. So I thought that that was really beautiful. Anyways, um, I wasn't expecting to share that story, but there you have it. And... (laughs) I really, I applaud all of the women who are coming out strong and pushing back hard against this whole diet culture bullshit. I also applaud um, the men and the not large 
people who are also pushing back against diet culture. And I send also love to you um, in that I know that some people get angry about it, which I find strange because they don't want skinny people and men to make noise about body positivity, which is not a very positive attitude, guys. So cut the crap. Um, <laughs> I also know that um, there are a lot of people who are afraid that body, the body positivity movement, as they call it, um, will promote obesity and terrible lifestyle whatever crap I can't even remember honestly I felt very sick to my stomach when I was reading about it I lovingly researched this for our listeners and felt very nauseous while I was reading all of it but basically just that you know society being incredibly preoccupied with the fact that if we tell people that they shouldn't be ashamed of their bodies and that they're happiness and value should not be placed on whether or not society at large finds them sexually attractive. Oh my God. Um, you know, that we're promoting a, a, a sick society, <laughs> and a, you know, and we're promoting obesity. So I don't know if this makes any sense or if I'll get a lot of hate mail for this, but I'm in it. So it reminded me of when people say that if you teach children not to be ashamed of their sexuality and that sex is a beautiful thing that we are encouraging children to have sex. Like these two things are not, the, it, there's zero connection here. No one, well, not no one, but no one in the actual, honest, genuine, true, spirit of of just self-love and self-acceptance and self-celebration is saying oh and also go to mcdonald's and eat there three meals a day and keep eating until you're ginormous and you can't eat anymore no one is saying that and they have nothing to do with each other really they don't I wanted to celebrate body positivity more. The thing is that, as I said, I was researching body positivity and even in that search and even in my joy and my thrill of finding such beautiful stuff, I kept finding people who were saying, this is terrible. Don't let these people think they're beautiful. And that's insane. That's just insane. Oh yeah. Um, so for, I haven't mentioned it yet and I'll mention it a little bit later on for myself. I was a yoga teacher. Um, oh, yeah. or I still am. I still am a yoga teacher, but I've been taking a step back with COVID to really focus on my, my coaching and on my Reiki. Um, and I was teaching full time in a yoga studio. Um, and throughout the time, uh, of teaching, I was, let me think back for a moment. I think when I started teaching, Yes. When I started teaching, I was at the end of losing of a journey of losing 120 pounds over a five-year span. Uh, and when I was teaching, I was also one of the larger teachers at the studio. I'm a size 10 and I was still considered one of the larger teachers throughout my journey as well. I had learned yoga starting in a body that was 276 pounds and started to continue or continued yoga, not started, continued yoga 
in the body as it continued to lose. So I realized that as in a lot of situations, a lot of situations, I was the biggest person in the room. And by being the biggest person in the room, that messed with my psychology in different ways and my mental health in different ways. But I also realized that having a teacher's background as well, that a lot of the teachers were coming in and had no idea how to actually teach to my body size, to what was going on. So for instance, uh, if I had to lie on my stomach, my head did not touch the ground because my boobs were so big mm-hmm. and I would have to put a block underneath my head, but that, or cross my arms. And that was something that I intuitively figured out through time. So when I started to actually teach, I started to teach in a way that was very accessible. So even if I was teaching an intermediate or an advanced class, I always was teaching to the weakest person in the room. And if that person happened to be plus size, I made sure that they had no idea that I was teaching to them because I made the whole class accessible where, hey, if you know how to go into your crow pose, this is where you're going into it. If you're not sure how to crow, here's a way that you can work to get there. And I would break things down so that it was, here's here's where if you're at this level, great. But if you're working to get there, here's the steps to get there. And in the yoga community, that's something you don't find. It's just go into that pose and assume that you know how to go into it. And it can actually be very dangerous as well. If you're trying something, like if you're trying a headstand and you have no core, I had that happen where I was in a plus size body. I was 250 pounds and somebody threw me up into a headstand. I had no core. Later, I figured out that, thank God, my arms were as strong as they were because that could have been completely disastrous. At that point, I didn't necessarily clue in. But later, when I started to teach, I was very clear as to what was what was something that was safe within the body. And if it wasn't something that somebody was comfortable with, I wasn't going to push them either. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing you find in fitness class, especially in our world of fitness, it's pushing, it's going, it's, you can do it. You can keep doing it. But if your trainer or your yoga teacher has never been a plus size person and they've spent their entire career being very fit, they cannot relate to what you're going through. And that's something that I feel like our fitness world is completely lacking. So for, for me as a teacher, I really try to teach with a, with a body positive way. So for instance, instead of calling um, your midsection, your tummy, I will always refer to it as your abs because your abs are in there. Um, so when I teach a plus size, cause I do teach plus size as well. When I teach plus size, I'm never going to use the word tummy because that is a triggering word. So it's also figuring out too, how can you make it a positive environment for those around you? That's just in the fitness world, but then you can take that into your own, um, your own life, how can you make it a body positive environment for those around you? If you yourself have never been plus size and you want to communicate with one of your friends, your daughter, your mom, who is plus size, instead of assuming that you have all the answers, ask them, how can I help you? Or is there something that I can help you with? If it's like, let's say it's fitness or if it's carrying something like finding out a little bit more about what the being needs themselves instead of assuming what it is that they need and blanket surfacing that. Mm-hmm. I love that you just said that too, about how tummy can be a triggering word because mm-hmm. you know how earlier I was saying about 
like for the most part, I'll say that I have a fat ass and I think it's funny and it's fun and I love it and it's all good. Um, what I don't love is when I'm, when my weight fluctuates to the point where I'm sitting down or actually doing yoga and the yoga instructor says like, now bring your knees in and give yourself a, a big hug. And then he stays like that. Not, not any fault of, of the yoga instructor at all. This is me. We're all get angry because I'm like, I can't breathe because <laughs> like, my tummy is in the way. And I am not okay with that. I'm not okay with having so much tummy that I can't bend over and comfortably give myself a squeeze. And while the word tummy doesn't trigger me, it probably triggers some people. And it doesn't mean that these people are not body positive. And, and so I think that, again, like not to put a negative spin on everything we talk about today, <laughs> I'm actually in a great mood and I was so excited to do this episode. So maybe people don't feel my joy right now, but um, I am really excited to be talking about this because I think it's super important. Body positivity to me, here comes another opinion, is not the, it's, it's not, what did I hear someone say the other day? Somebody said the other day, uh, like it was so great that the progressive people came along and like, you know, pushed for free speech and pushed for us to have our rights to be our independent selves and to, you know, be self-accepting and loving and all this kind of great stuff. Except for that, like, that they felt that it's all nowadays, it feels like it's also the progressive people who are putting all these rules on what we are and aren't allowed to say and talk about again. Like it's, it's gone like weirdly full circle. And and the thing that actually came to my mind, well, I laughed. I thought it was funny. Some people might not, but, um, but, but this is what came to mind about, you know, being body positive and loving and accepting yourself and not placing your value on whether or not people find you, you know, aesthetically pleasing or physically attractive and all that kind of stuff. For me, you're, you're taking it past body positive when you are, expecting everyone to embrace that all the time and always feel good and always be okay with your tummy or your giant boobs or your fat ass or whatever it is today we're talking about weight so I'll just stay there there's we can go anywhere with this but like well go anywhere with it though care like don't don't stop but like don't hold yourself back but like um, for me, there are times where I am really not comfortable in my body and I should be allowed, not, not, not allowed. I should not have to hide that for fear of not being body positive. I am body positive. I think that people are beautiful inside and out no matter what size or shape they are. But we all know what is a good place for us to be in physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, psychologically, geographically. <laughs> I could go on. We know what's right for us and what works for us. And 
unless we are suffering from, you know, some sort of eating disorder, body dysmorphia, et cetera, which I think, you know, obviously there's an exception there, but for the most part, if you're a relatively self-aware person who's pretty grounded, you know, when things are not okay for you and you're allowed to be in touch with that. And I have, um, seen a lot of people online, a lot of influencers, a lot of articles and stuff from people who have either taken this body positive, like really are exploiting it. I'll just say it out loud. Actually, I I don't care. There are, uh, for example, just as one example, there are many, there are many examples, but as one example, there are a bunch of intuitive eating coaches out there, uh, or at least that's, they are called. And I am all for intuitive eating and we will talk about that in a little bit because it's a beautiful thing, but there are many sort of influencer type intuitive eating coaches out there who put up all these TikTok videos and memes and photos and videos and whatever else, basically um, not only saying that you should just eat whatever you want because people shouldn't tell you how to eat, which they shouldn't unless you paid them to. Um, but also taking it sort of that step further of like basically implying that if you don't, you are not being body positive. And if you restrict yourself or put limitations or make sacrifices um, that you are contributing to this whole um, body shaming business. And I think that is at least equally, I think, do. I think it's equally as damaging as shaming people for their body size and type. And I think it's also emotionally dangerous for people to have to hold this stuff inside and not be allowed to be vocal and talk about it. And you are vibrating. So I want you to open your mouth. <laughs> I can't let stuff come out of it. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, no, there's just like, there's so many things. I'm like you earlier, where it's like four things that are just like, want to come out at once. Um, okay. Let's just form the thought. Yeah. Okay. So I a hundred percent agree with you on that, that there's, it's such a fine line with body positivity because exactly you, you, when it comes down to it, it's body positivity to self. And, um, if you are not being positive to your own body, it's kind of like, I don't know how many of your viewers watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but it's one of my favorite shows. And it's kind of like, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? And it's the same thing. If you don't have that body positivity for you, how are you expecting to be able to offer that to those around you from a space of love and genuine, um, from a genuine space? Um, and exactly like for me part of my journey and my weight loss was connecting to intuitive eating my whole also like disclaimer my whole weight loss was done without any help um which now that I look back I probably should have had a nutritionist (laughs) um but a lot of it was just kind of touching and going and when I figured out intuitive eating intuitive eating is what for me the way that I went about it was it helped me figure out for my IBS what was triggering it and what wasn't. And I realized very quickly by intuitively eating that when I was eating anything that was animal byproduct, and this was over a few years of actually uh, process of elimination, 
anytime I was eating something animal byproduct, I was having the worst, worst stomach issues. And then when I ended up having um, a, a nervous breakdown, I actually started to record that. And this was, this is something that I need to like do more work in on the energy perspective. But I realized that I was logging, if I was eating something that was meat. So at that point I was eating fish within two hours to four hours, I was having an anxiety attack. And then if I was eating something that was animal byproduct, it was four to six hours. And that was unconscious. Like it wasn't like, oh no, I just ate it. And it was triggered because of that it was literally, I ate it. Cause that's for me, what I needed is fuel. And without even realizing there would be a panic attack or an anxiety attack triggered later on, I was already in an overly active nervous system. So for me, intuitive eating helped me realize that conscious awareness of what I'm eating. So in that perspective, I fully um, respect intuitive eating, but from exactly what you just said, it is, even just when you were saying it, there is so much cringing in my body because a coach, the difference between a coach and a therapist, and one of my coaches told me this, and it's always just stuck with me, is your therapist is here to help you take you from your past to your present. Your coach is here to take you from the present to the future. But if you as a being have never dealt with your past, and a lot of coaches will go a little bit in your past to slingshot you forward. But if you have never dealt with your past, if your coach has never dealt with their own past and dealt with their traumas and the psychological behind it, then that's where the intuitive eating of eat whatever you want comes into complete, a complete clusterfuck, because you're dealing with an unconscious way of, um, of talking about food. You're dealing with, there hasn't been a realization of what has possibly happened in either your client's past or you as the coach. Um, and as well too, like for me personally, when I'm working with somebody, I like to know if the person has worked with a therapist. So, and if they haven't, I like to know a little bit about their history because if they haven't, then I'm not, I personally am not equipped to be able to help take them forward because they haven't dealt with the past. And just when you said that too, like if I had hired an intuitive coach before I had started with a therapist, I, I've been seeing a therapist now for five years. If I had started with an intuitive coach before, the amount of mind fuckery, just from what you just said of eat whatever you want, absolutely like that, that can be completely detrimental where it is, it's such a, it's such a hard, um, it's such a hard topic, body positivity in a way, because it comes, it comes down to like what we learn as five-year-olds, just be kind, just be compassionate. Cause you really don't know what other people are going through. That's the thing. And I think that, you know, I want to clarify that intuitive, an intuitive eating coach could be like an amazing tool in your tool belt. It could be an amazing source of support and information and resources and everything else. It's just that I'm seeing a lot of people, including some intuitive eating coaches mm. who are exploiting the whole body positivity sort of movement, if I can say, like they're latching onto this, like, oh, okay, this is, and they're using that as a way to market their service. When we know perfectly well that actual intuitive eating and coaching of intuitive eating is, 
it is is a beautiful and multi-layered excellent tool to have it's a it's all about what you were saying at the top of this episode which is about you know self-awareness and lifestyle and choices and empowering yourself and that's what intuitive eating is about it's really about um you know self-awareness and and being mindful and intentional but it just goes to show that of course as always no matter how amazing a revolution is, the people find a way to, you know, market themselves. Like they just jump on that trend and then they, you know, make it obscene often. I am going to say that one of the things, which is what I started saying at the top of this episode that I love so much about you sharing your journey, which I want you to do in a minute in more depth is that nothing that I've seen that you have written or shared, you know, either verbally or through your social media outlets or your workshops or any other outlet you have has ever made me feel like you were body shaming anyone or saying there was anything wrong with being X amount of pounds or whatever size, but you also openly share your weight loss journey and celebrate that accomplishment and that self-awareness and that personal evolution as unapologetically. And I just gave myself goosebumps, even though I was talking about you. I'm not sure if that's narcissistic. <laughs> You're the reflection in you, that's all. <laughs> But I freaking love that about you because it's not a story of like, ew, look how fat I was. Thank God I got so skinny. Yay me. But it's also not, oh, I won't talk about it because it's weight loss and that's not cool. It's just a very beautiful celebration of you saying like, this is where I was at one point in my life. This is where I needed to be. This is how I got there. This is how it felt. And I would really love for you to just sort of give the listeners and viewers a, a, a picture of what that sort of evolution was like for you. Absolutely. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like more information on my holistic health and nutrition services or to book your free 15-minute holistic health and wellness call, you can reach me by emailing me at sweetvegancoaching at gmail.com or by using the contact form at www.sweetvegan.net. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier, I have, we'll say I've shared a vessel or a body with um with weight struggles since I was about 11. And now that I've pinpointed it, it actually came down to a combination of different things. It was puberty. It was um, having certain restrictions on certain foods and as well um, not having access or not having the proper information about certain foods. So I started to yo-yo my weight where I'd gain, lose, gain, lose throughout my entire teenage years. I would gain 15, I would lose 15, I would gain 20. And a lot of the times I would gain throughout the winter and then lose throughout the summer. Um, I used to be a very competitive horseback rider. 
So I would ride in the summer. And when you're training and riding, you're going through a lot of calories just to keep up with your fitness level and you're losing any of the extra calories. So that kind of became this, uh, almost this habitual norm of going up and down. I didn't even question it at some point. It was just, this is how it is. This is what's happening. And Throughout my 20s, I moved to from Montreal to Toronto to switch universities. And when I ended up moving into an apartment with nine other people, it was an environment where all of us were in school. All of us got along really, really well. A lot of us would share food. If one of us was making food, we'd eat it. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of meat being cooked in the environment, a lot of mass, like big amounts of food. And I was also just side note, I was living with six guys who were for lack of a better term, uh, they were gym, like really big gym heads. So they loved going to the gym. They needed that extra protein. They needed to have like their body weight of protein in them a day. And a lot of them were trying to get this protein in through just meat not actually taking any protein um, powder or anything. It was just through meat. So the amount of food that was going through this apartment, plus I had lived in the suburbs in Montreal and had just moved to downtown Toronto where I had 24 hour access to a grocery store, two grocery stores actually a block away. And on top of it, I was in downtown Toronto where everything at that point was almost 24 hours open when you're two blocks away from Young Street. So it just became this food was super accessible and fast food was very accessible. And I was also in an advertising program, which was very highly intensive. So what we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. I did not have 25 minutes in my day to make myself food. <laughs> um, or I wasn't giving myself that time to be able to make food. And I was just eating and I had never fully stopped eating to the athletic body that I had had when I was a horseback rider, meaning as a horseback rider, I was keeping up with the fuel I needed to do the sport, but I never stopped that habit. Um, I had a friend who was an Olympian and when she actually stopped her sport because of at least 10 years of training of having to eat, it was a water sport. So a water sport, you're eating a lot to keep up in carbs. She, she didn't know how to transition after that um, because you're not, we're not given the tools after going from extreme sport moving forward, or we're not given the tools uh, to be able to properly nourish ourselves. So by now going into downtown Toronto, having all of this access of food, I was eating, but like we talked about earlier, like Jen said, I wasn't consciously eating. I was eating while I was doing a project. I was eating while I was playing video games. I was eating while I was walking to class, which later when I started my own weight loss journey, I realized I had to stop doing everything else and just eat and mm -hmm. focus on eating. And because this was later a conscious realization when it was in its highest of not consciously eating, this started in my early 20s. It continued till I was 26. And again, I still yo-yoed. At 26, I found myself at 276 pounds. I'm 5'9". I had a back injury. I had sprained my back between my L5 and, and my S1, which is your lower back. It's around your hip. And it's like, it is the most 
painful joint to sprain because it's also where your hip joints join. So I sprained that area of my back and I never properly healed it. And a lot of my weight when I was 276 pounds was mainly in my midriff and mainly in my thighs. So that's a lot of weight on a back and a spine that doesn't have the ab support to support the injury. So it was just putting this extra load onto an already injured back. Uh, because of that, I was not super active because my back was in pain. And as we were talking about earlier too, different injuries or different pains started in my body. I found myself at 26 and like you had said, like going up a flight of stairs, it was a lot like two flights of stairs. I would usually have to like stop and breathe. If I had to go up that with a winter coat, you bet that winter coat is going to be off either by the time I'm up there or I was sweating buckets because of the heat that was building in my body from lack of exercise movement and also from the food that I was eating. Because at this point, uh, what had led up to this point was that unconscious eating. And then also realizing that unconscious eating of eating frozen things, eating pre-made things, eating things without even realizing. So like watching an episode on Netflix, let's say eating a bag of chips and then hitting the bottom of the bag of chips and having that moment of, I just ate an entire bag of chips. And at some point that even didn't even phase me. It got to the point where it was so bad and I'm going to be super vulnerable about this. It got to the point where it was so bad. I lived on my own. So at 26, I was in an abusive relationship. Um, and he was also not very health conscious either. And it got so bad that one day I was in the kitchen. I shared an apartment with him briefly. I went more into the story on another podcast with Jen. But I was sharing an apartment with him and I was cooking something in the kitchen. And I legitimately had a thought, and I was 26, that I could not see my life past 35. Because of the mental pain I was in, because of the physical pain in my back, which had then led to my knees, which also led to my ankles, to feeling very stuck in my career, to feeling like almost like I could feel my soul within my body. And my soul was like, this is not my home. This is not where I should be. Or this isn't what I was supposed to be in, if you will. And in that moment, that's what, that's what woke me up to something needs to change because you're 26 years old. You used to be a ridiculously competitive athletic girl. And now you're 26 and you can't see past 35. Hello something needs to change. And that for me was that almost my, my heart, my soul literally went, hello, wake up. We're not in, we're not in a good situation. And that's when yoga came into my life. And when yoga arrived into my life, naturally for the first few months, I started to eat a little bit better, meaning I wasn't craving if I was going to make now at first, when I say eating better, we're going to be hundred percent vulnerable. I wasn't going to McDonald's and getting 20 McNuggets. I was now going to McDonald's and getting 10 McNuggets for the first few months. And then it started to realize, oh, I actually don't feel good when I'm eating McDonald's, especially after having worked out. So maybe this time I won't have it. And then it becomes this consciousness battle as you start to awaken to yourself. And for me, it became this moment of anytime I eat this, I don't feel good. And anytime I eat this, I feel better. 
it became this awareness of, oh, whatever I'm nurturing myself with. And I already knew that. Like I had, I had figured that out when I was a teenager, but something in my twenties just did this. Maybe it was going to advertising school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I then realized that it be, it's a fuel. We are a car. If we're going to have a nice car, we have to be willing to put premium into it. And if we're not going to be putting premium to it, we have to be willing to deal with the consequences. If that particular car needs premium and you're going to put regular gas in, there's going to be some consequences. And that, I'm that- sorry. I just love that you just said that. I love Isn't that. It? It's so good. It's so good. It's something I realized, I can't remember what it was, but I sometimes at one point a dude was telling me about like this premium card. It just needed this type of gas and it literally clicked. And I was like, <laughs> that's me. That's me. I need premium gas in my body. <laughs> I'm going to start. I always come to like, you know, we're often like, I'm a queen, but I'm going to just start when people are like, I don't know, whatever, anything where I feel like I need to like, you know, reaffirm my status I'm going to be like I'm a Jaguar I'm a vintage Jaguar and I need premium fuel thank you all right go on sorry that's exactly it (laughs) so I exactly I started I started to realize just from adding in and it could have honestly it could have been anything but for me it was a it was yoga that helped me awaken because it was just this movement practice for some other people that I know, it was dance. It was something that started to have the entire body move in a synchronistic or organic way instead of structured way that actually helped awaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when I when I started to, to awaken to this change of, oh, if I'm eating this, I feel better. And I also started to notice that my IBS was getting better. Or that if I ate this thing, I was super triggered and I needed to know where there was a bathroom in five minutes. Or that if I eat this thing, I actually don't have to worry about where the bathrooms are all day long. And just disclosure, since we're talking about IBS, my IBS was so severe that I had to know I would not go anywhere if I didn't know there was where the bathroom was or I didn't know there was a bathroom out of fear of possibly not making it to a bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's how bad my IBS was. So my, my, as I started to become aware to different foods, I also, um, I started within the first year of awakening, I lost about 15 pounds without even trying, just from changing, reducing certain things. And then I started dating a guy who was a pescatarian. And at that point, I already had figured out that a lot of red meat did not agree with me. So it wasn't, an, it wasn't a hard decision to cut everything and just eat fish or seafood. And his part of his family was vegetarian. So it was the first time for me, I had a few friends who had been vegetarian, but I had never, for me, it was never something that I, I always kind of just shat on it. And I was like, Hey, great. That's for you, but that's not for me. Um, and just watching how his family interacted with food, with acceptance of each other's diets was really eye-opening. And also there was a lot of allergies within the family. Mm. So it was for about a year and a half we dated and to be in, to be in this environment where there is this respect around other people, because in the end it came down to their health. They realized that why am I going to shit on somebody that I love when 
they're happy and they're eating what they want. So that helped me realize that, oh, I, I don't have to criticize other people's food. I don't have to receive other people's criticisms. I can just be. Mm-hmm. And through that journey in time, at this point, we're about two years into my weight loss. At that point, I had lost about 30 pounds and I ended up having a mental and nervous breakdown, which had me move back to Montreal. And when I moved back to Montreal, that's when things really started to roll. Um, I didn't know what I was going to, I had a clean slate in life. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. I wasn't in a relationship. I found myself at 20, 29, completely clean slate, which is terrifying. No <laughs> I'm so exciting. And I started doing a different style of yoga, which had mirrors. And I'm actually about to write a post on this on my Instagram. And it had mirrors. And at first, I fucking hated it. Why are you going to have me work out looking at myself for an hour when I cannot stand myself was my mental where my mental space was. But I realized that in time, I had nowhere else to look because I wasn't going to stare at somebody else doing practice. And I wasn't going to watch the teacher walk through the huge room um, that I was in. So I realized that I had to look at myself. And through that, what I will say, just as another disclaimer, side note, a lot of my journey just happened by coincidence. A lot of my journey happened with listening to intuition. And for me, a lot of it worked, some of it didn't. So my journey has been very um, touch and go. So through experience, I have a lot to be able to offer, but I do not recommend losing the amount of weight that I did completely solo. Um, not that I ever plan on doing it again, but that is the advice that I do give. Make sure that you do have at least a nutritionist who is helping you along the way. Um, so with these mirrors, I realized that I had to look at myself and all of a sudden I was noticing, like at first it was very critical. It was all inner. It was very critical. And I really appreciate that you said it is not critical on um, my platforms because I've worked very hard at making sure that whatever needed to be healed inwards towards criticism was not something that was projected out. Or if it was, it was something that still needed to be healed within. And I realized that by watching myself at first, it was very critical. It was like, oh, if I do this, like my back fat rolls. If I do this, this happens. And in time, I realized, I was like, why am I being so destructive to myself when I'm trying to be better? I'm trying to better myself by coming to this yoga class, yet I'm being so critical. And the other thing that really bothered me was that I was in a room of really skinny girls. Mm-hmm. And that really bothered me because, and it wasn't because they were skinny. It was because they all got to take their shirts off. (laughs) And it was a hot yoga class. And all I wanted to do was take my shirt off because I was so hot. And then I realized I was about, at this point I had lost probably about 10 pounds. I was about 230 pounds. I realized, fuck it. (laughs) I'm taking my shirt off. And if anybody here has a problem with my body, I'll deal with it. But I don't think I will was kind of where my mental space was and it was true the community that I was in was absolutely wonderful one of the owners herself was plus size and very very um, body positive so that was very healing and helpful for me but what it did by taking off my shirt was all of a sudden I had to look at myself half naked while doing an exercise in a body that I was not comfortable with and at first it was at the first few times it was a little self-deprecating but then I realized that 
it was actually this beautiful thing because I actually could see the small parts of my body that were shifting. So all of a sudden, within maybe a month, I noticed that like, oh, instead of having, let's say like, instead of having this part of my arm, like, how would I describe it? If this part of my arm was moving last week, maybe this week, it's a little bit firmer. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I noticed within my midriff that um, the stretch marks are a little bit better this week. And just different things like that, that originally it's the way my brain has had been programmed was immediate criticism and, ju and judgment, not even a positive. Mm -hmm. So I realized that by doing that, it, it brought this, this beauty into accepting my body as she was, because I knew that I wanted to get to a certain point. And I knew that from past experience, I had been able to lose the weight. So I knew I would get there. And I also knew at this point that I still had a good chunk of weight to lose and that I had lost it slowly so far and that I hadn't been gaining it back, which was the biggest key factor out of every other time I had lost weight. I had lost it really fast and then gained it back because it wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. So at this point I realized, wow, like this is, if I actually start to monitor my weight in a way of just accepting who I am and how I am every single day, there's going to be change in time. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of softening, a lot of softening to myself, a lot of noticing. My journey has been very self-aware. Uh, I am a mercury ruled Virgo. So I am very mind oriented and analytical. So my journey was very analytical and just noticing things, shifting things. And when I started to notice within my body, these different changes, I started to realize that I was just feeling better. I was feeling better. I was feeling better physically. When I was bumping into things, I didn't feel as bad. Uh, I used to have to go sideways through metro station turnstiles because I didn't fit front on. Mm -hmm. And the day that it changed where I could actually go through just like a normal being, I didn't fully believe it because automatically I still wanted to go sideways. <laughs> so I started to realize how much weight had messed with my body. And that's when I discovered body dysmorphia and the fun journey that you go through with body dysmorphia. And by going through all of that, I, it was, it all came back to self because I was getting a lot of outer criticism in different areas and had been a lot of my life. And I just realized that it never felt good. It felt like absolute shit. When I got, even by saying it, there's like, <laughs> it felt like absolute shit. And so I realized why, why am I going to be so mean to myself? Let's be, let's be a little bit nicer. And by being nicer to myself, let's just see what happens in our body. Mm. And by doing that, it also allowed me to realize that I wanted to teach yoga, that I don't have to be at my goal weight to start teaching yoga, I can start now. So I went to a yoga training as I think if I remember, I was the biggest I may have been the biggest person or at least the biggest woman who was there. And it didn't phase me. If I had gone to do that training two years prior, it would have been a whole other mental space, but it didn't phase me at all because at that point I was much more comfortable. And I also realized that there wasn't a lot of like, for me, I know I'm never going to be a size two. My hips will never, 
I could possibly fit into a size eight, maybe six if I starve myself, but I'll never go below that based on my hip size. And I was totally okay with that, which I had spent all of my life penalizing myself because I wasn't a zero. And I was in this environment where everybody was learning, everybody was accepting. And all of a sudden, by having done this work on myself, I realized that when I was teaching, when I eventually did start to teach classes, that I was able to bring this extra compassion into class. And I got that a lot from my students where I had people coming to my class and I've written posts about this. I had people coming to my class because they felt safe in my class, be it because they had some mental passenger that was just not fun, be it that they weren't comfortable in their body or they weren't comfortable as a woman. Usually it was women. I had a few men, but generally it was women who would just thank me for how I was teaching the class, for the love that I was just providing in the class, because it just came down to that. For me, yoga was about just sharing the love and not bringing my own personal shit into the room and not bringing my own personal judgments into the room. And by doing that, it also continued to allow me to not just accept my own body, but it started to have me mentally notice when I was judging other people. Mm, interesting. As a teacher, you're going around the room and I already had this learnt habit of decades of judgment. And all of a sudden I see somebody who is larger than I currently was. And I had been in her shoes and it was an automatic judgment thought. So I realized that I had so much more work because it wasn't just judgment towards self. It was if I'm teaching and I, I can guarantee I am not the only yoga teacher. There are many yoga teachers, especially if they've never, ever dealt with weight, who that is their thought process in class, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But as teachers, we have to have that awareness. So I realized, wow, like I'm having this immediate judgmental thought, but really it comes down to I'm judging myself and my past self because there's something that I had not healed yet within myself for accepting myself in however this being was. Mm -hmm. So I realized that this, this judgment was starting to show up that needed to be worked towards myself. And by working on that judgment for two years with students, it just allowed me as a being to accept so many more people just as they are, just as you are in your body, as your personality. And it's not up to me to try to change. It is what I I'm, I'm a Virgo. So I do have my opinions and I love to share my opinions, but I've also learned that I need to share my opinions with those who want to receive it. Mm. That's a big <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that yoga also taught me a lot of too, was that we won't go too much into it, but it, it's a community that led me into, again, like further into coaching, which really had me noticing as well, like victim, victim mindset and realizing too, that a lot of the times when I was judging, I was actually putting myself into a victim mindset and that that wasn't serving anybody mm -hmm. whatsoever. <laughs> um, and one thing just backing back up to when I was doing my teacher training around my teacher training years, this is like 2017. I also decided to go vegan. At that point, I had realized that animal byproducts in me, like I had mentioned before, we were having anxiety attacks 
did not feel good. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, January, 2017, I'm going to go vegan. And I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know I'm not eating animal, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so January was a bit of a shit show on my own. But then February, I was like, I can go vegan after February. Cause I'm going on an intensive yoga trip where somebody's going to feed me for a month and I'll t- say I'm a vegan. So they'll feed me. I'm sure they'll feed me what I need to eat as a vegan <laughs> to keep my energy up. And then I'll figure it out after. <laughs> so I went on this, I went on this trip and it, honestly, we were blessed with the best chefs. Unfortunately, the people who went the year after did not get the best chefs. No, no. <laughs> So all of us who had been on this, on this training, it was the same location. We're like, oh my God, you're going to eat so well. And then they got there and they were like, fuck <laughs> you. <all." laughs> so my guys were definitely on my side for that trip. And I ate really, really well. And I was able to just notice different things that I needed to eat. Came back from the trip. It's now April, 2017. I'm still not convinced that I want to go vegan, but part of my yoga training was a year of distance training. And we had to do a project every month. One of the projects was watch five educational documentaries. So I was like, great, I'll watch five documentaries. Actually, let's rephrase that. I was still very ego driven. So I was like, I'm not just gonna watch five, I'm gonna watch 15. So out of all of those documentaries, at least five to six of them were completely around a vegan diet. So some of those were Cowspiracy. Um, I can't remember which particular one it was, but there was one on Netflix. And what ended up for me having me completely decide was because I've also been very charismatic and an animal person. And because at this point I had been doing so much awareness on pain, on trauma, I started to feel the empath in me really waking up and really waking up to not just noticing trauma in other humans, but noticing trauma and pain in animals that were not just the animals that I knew very well, not just the household animals or the squirrels outside, but any animal. And I was watching a documentary and I apologize if anybody's squeamish, But what actually got me was a fish who was still alive and they pulled its skin off and then they dropped it into a bucket as if nothing had happened. And for me, that was like, I was just like, I'm done. I can't, like, I had watched so many other very visibly disturbing things. But for me, that was, that was it. And at that point too, I was still like, I'm still going at this without knowing what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) And... (laughs) So I went, I did, I did go vegan. I did have a friend who was a nutritionist who helped me a little bit, but I didn't actually hire her, but she helped me a little bit in understanding things. I had another friend who was a vegan activist who helped me fully understand at least vegan proteins. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I went vegan, I ended up, it wasn't on purpose. It was, and I know for some people, the vegan diet has them lose weight automatically. For me, I had lost half of my weight up until that point. So it had taken about four, three and a half years to lose 60 pounds. I lost the last 60 pounds over a year and a half. And I realized that I actually, once I went vegan, I started to lose weight too fast. 
Mm. So I started to lose weight faster because I had realized I needed to stick with at least one pound a week. Mm -hmm. If I was like, if I didn't lose a pound in a week, it was okay, but it had to be at least one pound a week. If, and at that point I was losing three to four pounds in weeks. And I realized that that, that when I was losing that amount in a week, it was actually not sustainable for me anymore. So I actually had to really play around with, which all of a sudden I was like, wait, I'm eating less, but I'm, and I'm losing less, which is great. But now I had to add in a little, like it started to become this balance of how do I play with my food so that I don't necessarily lose. Cause I I've done so well and I don't want to lose this track that I'm on. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, um, it allowed me just to awaken a little bit more into all of the different foods that are out there, all of the different ways of eating as well throughout this. I haven't mentioned very much, but there were mental passengers involved. So I also had to make sure that I was eating because with anxiety, sometimes you don't have an appetite. So for me, I did realize that different foods were much better for certain parts of where my mental passengers or when my mental passengers would kick in. Mm -hmm. Meaning if I was super highly anxious and I was having a hard time eating, I knew that if I had a smoothie, at least I was getting some stuff in that I, and I, we might have Jen re rebel on this, but <laughs> I was at least getting some stuff in that I wasn't able, like I physically, when I get really anxious, just full disclosure, if I am super, super anxious, I have a really hard time swallowing. You'll actually see me eat with like two or three glasses of water because I can't, the reflex, it's almost like it, it just doesn't want to happen. Um, so I started to realize that when I was having these super anxious moments that I would have a smoothie and I would, I would utilize a smoothie like food. I would sit down, nothing else, just food. Um, and I would drink my smoothie and what I would do is I would start my day with that. And then usually as the day would progress, that's when I would be able to eat food, but just to at least get something in. And then what was really interesting was as this journey with like, with going vegan started, I have a, for anybody who's in astrology, I have a North node in Aries. So that's a fire sign. So anytime I start something, there's a lot of fuel behind it. <laughs> and so at this point I became vegan and it was the same thing as when I went yoga. Everybody needed to become vegan at that point. And I am opinionated. So everybody knew my opinion on how I felt about animals. And I went vegan for my health and for animals. So I started talking to people how great I felt. I started to talk to people and then I realized I needed to learn how to censor who I was talking to about what and what people could receive. Mm -hmm. And because I went through that journey with veganism, which is already like, there's already so many opinions around that. Yeah. One, it helped me just settle down and realize like I can be a vegan activist, but I'm going to go at it in a way of people can come to me and talk to me about stuff, but I don't need to project it. And I really don't need a huge following like some people do um, <laughs> when it comes to that. So yeah, I just, I realized at that point that I was awakening into this new love of not just for my body, but like for beings that by becoming vegan within a year or two, that's when I started to teach goat yoga. And that's actually how I met Jen. We haven't talked about that yet, but we met Jen, I met Jen at goat yoga. 
So I started teaching goat yoga and I still have my qualms with goat yoga because it isn't traditional yoga, but the way that I tried to teach it was that it wasn't like, I made everybody very aware this is not typical yoga. This is, we're basically doing some yoga poses, which is a little bit of, not even a little bit, it is an appropriation of yoga. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I was adding in this extra love with the animals. So I'd utilize the environment so that the animals did not feel superior to the humans and the humans did not feel superior to the animals. And in time, I was actually able to use the space to educate people about goats because goats are something that we do use them for milk and in some countries for food. So it was an educational space of why do some animals have horns? Why don't, why do some have and some don't? And to be able to express to people that there's so much mutilation that we do to animals so that it conveniences us and conveniences our eating habits. And that's why some, like all goats and cows are born with horns, but so that we can livestock, stock as in money, product, we can livestock them together into a space we take away their horns, which are their weapons so that they don't hurt each other. So we have more livestock in a space. And by real, I started to realize like, oh, wow, like that's interesting. Then I started to look into the numbers and realize like, holy shit, we are, you, we are utilizing, not even utilizing, we're, we're taking away beings from our earth to feed 8 billion humans, but we're using 60 billion land animals and 3 trillion sea animals to feed 8 billion humans, which really didn't make sense to me. And that for me was the solidifier of, I personally do not want to consume animal byproducts because of that high amount of waste and um, realization that it's doing to the earth. And what from there, I just, it became this extra compassion towards myself too, of realizing how much in that it's really, it's a really interesting journey that all of it has happened, but it helped me awaken to waste and help me awaken to my own waste. And it helped me awaken to not just waste as in like, okay, I'm buying all this stuff and I'm filling my garbage can and it's being taken out, but waste in food, realizing that a binging disorder is actually a disorder of waste because you're eating so much more food than one, your body can handle, Two, you're probably eating the amount of food that could feed a family. So you're actually wasting resources on something that can in time be handled if it is chosen to be handled. And also too, binging is from what I've understood, it is the most common eating disorder. And it is also one in five people have a binging disorder. So it's so common, but it's And because it's so common, it's this huge space of waste. And then I also realized from there, wow, we also live in this society that encourages binging because we have all you can eat buffets. We have takeout that you can get. Well, this is your own choice, but you can get whatever you want, really. But then we also have binging that is commonly used. I actually screenshotted. I have a Facebook ad from yesterday on my phone, and it is the red carpet show by... um, Jada Smith and Willow Smith and I can't remember her mother's name, mm-hmm. but it's it's actually a Facebook ad and it says binge watch your favorite shows. 
and it's a Facebook ad. So binging, the term has become so common Mm -hmm. that I realized that, wow, I'm not just binging food. I'm binging Netflix. I'm binging people's time. I'm binging, like there's so many things that I'm binging and binging comes back to a unconsciousness. Mm -hmm. not conscious in that moment. If you are consciously choosing to binge, great. If that, if you're like, I am cool with this, but a lot of the times at some point there's like, should I watch the next episode? But Netflix is programmed particularly for binging because it gives you five seconds between episodes because it doesn't want you to actually have to think about it. (laughs) So I, I realized how many little things in our world were like that. We're so created on um, overindulging is the best way to put it. And that I had created this overindulging habit, not just around food, not just around binging, not just around when I used to smoke cigarettes, but like it became almost this competitive thing of like, great, I can do that. I can do it 10 times more. Mm-hmm. And by realizing it within myself, realized that so many people around are exactly like so many people that's the norm mm-hmm. where it is this unawareness to self this unawareness to what you're putting into your body this unawareness of not just food but what are you feeding your mind what are you feeding your spirit are you actually doing different things that fuel your being and i realized at that point that weight loss actually not at that point it was halfway through, but I realized about halfway through my journey that weight loss was so much more than just what we were being advertised to in the diet culture in brackets, um, where what I kept seeing was that you have to exercise and you have to eat So what you're eating. That's what, that's what causes your weight. But there was a third thing that had never been talked about. And that was your mind space. Most most diets, most spaces like that will not consider your mindset. And in so many things, business-wise, you're taught mindset is the first thing that you have to have down to actually accomplish it. And if you're not, if you don't have that mindset for yourself within your weight journey, you aren't going to accomplish it Mm -hmm. because you're not setting yourself up for it. So I, I started to realize too that it was mind and it was also energetic that a lot of weight was still on our bodies because we hadn't dealt with the trauma or something that had actually happened that triggered that initial weight gain. So yes, we were physically losing it from our body, but your physical body was still holding the trauma within it. Your mind was still holding what it hadn't been able to process within it. So your body by doing that is, is in this tense state and it's not actually able to release. And what I also realized was my weight would, I'd lose and then I'd plateau and then I'd lose and then I'd plateau. And I didn't understand why I was, I would get so frustrated when I'd plateau. And it was around the third plateau that I realized that it was completely psychological, that it was when I had actually released my ex-boyfriend who was abusive within two days I lost six pounds and it just came right off and it, nothing had changed in my diet. Nothing had changed. I was still doing my like very routinely day. 
And at that point, I realized that it was completely mental. And then I also realized, talking about before, that was a lot of weight to lose <laughs> in an amount of time. But I also realized that now, having lost the 120 pounds, having done the cognitive work, having done the somatic work in my body, my body feels a lot better. My aches and pains that were there do show up once in a while, but it's usually as a, it's speaking to me because I'm either not moving, not eating properly. So it's my way of starting to learn to communicate with my body. Mm -hmm. And then I also realized too, that it just became, it's an, it's all, not all of it, but weight loss is a lot more energetic and a lot more energy healing than we have actually ever given. And that our diet industry now, if I remember it's something like I could be wrong with the percentages, but it's like 20% exercise, 80% what you eat is around what they say. But what I realized was it was more around 20% what you eat, 20% how you're exercising and 60% is your mindset is, are you actually releasing the trauma? Because if you, all of us humans have trauma and baggage in some way, there's something that has hurt us. And if you have not done the work to forgive at least yourself for whatever it was that happened, your physical body and your cells are going to hold on to it. And depending on how your body is, because some people, for me, I'm a body that is more prone to gaining weight through stress. Mm -hmm. if my body's stressed and I'm holding on to trauma. I'm more likely to gain. And what I realized was, for me, I ended up losing all of my weight by the beginning, beginning middle of 2018. And I held my weight steady for a solid two years. And then come COVID-19, I ended up putting on a little bit of weight over the last year. And as I started to put it on, what was interesting is it's in, like in many different things that you'll hear old traumas will come back up when you're re-triggered. Mm -hmm. But it's how do you deal with them? How do you notice them? And so I started to notice that with, I personally went through a lot of stress around this time last year. And with my, with my own traumas, with my own passengers, it triggered a lot that resembled five years ago. But the way that I went about it was so much more loving, was so much more caring. And I started to notice within, instead of years of binging, I started to notice within two days that, oh, look at this. I'm, I am actually unconsciously binging something because I'm so overly stressed by my environments. And that's the other thing is, again, we're coming back down to stress and energetics. If our environments are stressful, it's a lot harder for our bodies to feel at ease. And depending on like, for me, like I said, I am going to put on weight. And what I did end up realizing too, was the majority of the weight that I had put on at the beginning of this weight journey was when I was in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my body was actually responding to the relationship and putting on more weight as protection um, because it didn't feel safe. And when I, when I clued into that, I was actually in a yoga training, of, like, I think it was about a year, it was around when we had to start shutting things down. And I clued into that and realized, and it was another teacher who helped me realize that, that it was just this 
profound awakening to an even deeper self-love of like, okay, wow. Like a lot of this is learned. A lot of this is shown behavior. And all I need to do is just unlearn it, which the way I just said, it makes it sound like, ah, all I have to do. (laughs) It's a whole fucking journey, (laughs) but that I had to unlearn it to be able to come back to self and realizing that our bodies will respond to our environments. And if we are able to stay conscious, stay present as much as we can, because again, we're humans. So we do have our moments, but as much as we can stay present to ourselves and in our present moment, that's when that awareness towards self starts to kick in. And especially around weight, that's when the weight um, appreciation or appreciate, let me rephrase that. The appreciation for your body and your weight, no matter what weight you are, you are starts to kick in just when you're able to be with yourself mm-hmm. and you don't, I wasn't comfortable in my body. Like Jen had mentioned earlier too, about knees coming up to chest and yoga, same thing. We were asked to kiss our knees and I was three feet away from my knees. <laughs> There's no way my head could touch my knees, but it's, it's learning that this is my, this is my home. This is my being. This is what I was given for, um, for this, this journey. And I get to choose what goes in it again, coming back to the car, I get to choose how my vehicle is fueled. And from not having that awareness to now having that awareness, it's huge. If you're having, if you're struggling with body positivity for your own self, it really is about self-awareness and it really is about self-empowerment and you are not on this earth to be what anyone else thinks you're supposed to be. And you're not on this earth to look the way anyone else thinks you should look. And your value is certainly not um, built on whether or not other people find you aesthetically pleasing or sexually attractive for starters. If you are struggling with that sort of toxic positivity, again, it's about taking the time to check in with yourself and allow yourself to have your feelings, have your thoughts and have your discomfort and not feel obligated to have a point of view because that's what everyone's decided is, is, you know, you can be potty positive and love and accept your beautiful body and not be okay with the weight or the shape of it at this moment. And it doesn't mean you love it any less. It just means you're, that's the journey that you're on. And you empower yourself by making decisions based on what you feel your needs are. And then if you are literally struggling with your weight, again, it's the same thing. I mean, I talked a lot in the beginning about how, you know, the foods that we eat and and marketing and how society sort of frames things to set us up for unhealthy eating habits. But as I very quickly also mentioned, there are many reasons for us to be overweight or not in our sort of, uh, I don't know, ideal fitness level or whatever is right for you. And as you just pointed out, that can be because of trauma that it can be a psychological thing you can it can be armor you could be protecting yourself it could be that you're not getting enough sleep it could be that you're too stressed out your cortisol levels are through the roof it could be that your hormones are out of whack it could be that your microbiome is 
off balance. I mean, there's so many reasons. It's not just the food thing. I just brought that up because we were talking about diet culture and, you know, and sort of marketing and everything. Um, and just like a lack of awareness. So a lack of awareness about what we're even putting into our body and to bring it back to, um, the intuitive eating, I'm just such a huge fan of intuitive living. Like I can't get enough of it right now. (laughs) I'm just obsessed with like, I, I, I journal every morning and I remind myself almost every day as like an intention for the day. I used to write intentions that were fake intentions. It was like my intention today. And it would be a to-do list because I'm, I have OCD and I like to like trick myself into thinking I'm being mindful, but actually just like checking boxes. And I have for just some time now started giving myself the intention of just being mindful for real though, making sure that the moments in my day are with intention. And that includes each thing that I put in my mouth and whether or not I go for a walk. And I don't mean if you put that in your mouth, you're going to be sick or fat or sorry or whatever. Like, what is this? Not just a negotiation of like, I'm only going to eat four chips or I'm only going to eat one bowl of whatever ice cream, but like, Hey, these are chips. (laughs) They're super greasy. It's like, there's no nutritional anything in here and you're super hungry and low energy right now. You always feel nauseous when you eat potato chips. Are you sure that's a choice you want to make right now? And then for me to be like, yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) I really don't want to do that to my body. Or I just ate a sandwich. It'll be fine. I'm doing this. I really want chips. I have a craving for this. And this is what I, I want to have. And I'm going to have an amount that's not going to make me feel sick or whatever, whatever your thing is. Um, and yeah, I don't mean when I say intentionally or mindfully or being aware and self-aware, I don't mean about if you don't go for this walk, you won't get your steps in. I just mean being honest with yourself about what you really want and taking a minute to really check in with yourself and remind yourself what the thing is that you're doing. Not just like, oh, it's chips. Oh, it's a walk. Oh, it's yoga. Just what is it to me? Mm-hmm. It's me taking that time to go for a walk. It's me making a choice to either put something in my mouth that is going to nourish me and give me energy and feel good or make me feel literally, I get nauseous whenever I eat chips. I don't know why I eat them sometimes. <laughs> Like I'll go months and months without eating them. And then one day they're in front of me and I'm like, ah, chips. And then I'm like, ew, why? Why? They taste good. But that wasn't the question. Wasn't, are these going to taste good? Of course they're going to taste good. It's fat and salt. Come on, give me a break. Is it going to feel good? Probably not. So my um, suggestion, of course, everyone's different. And everyone is going through different things and your specific prescribed anything in life is going to depend on many, many physical, historical, medical, and emotional, uh, psychological circumstances or issues. But generally speaking, my advice to somebody who actually is um, struggling with their weight is, is, yeah, to really put a lot of emphasis on awareness and an empowerment. 
you have choices to make and you can make them. And that's the cool thing. The cool thing is they're your choices to make. They're no one else's choices to make. They're just yours. And the more you remind yourself of that, the stronger that you feel and the better you feel about yourself. So I'm so happy we talked about this today. Me too. I know I, I know I'm, there's more, there's always more, but this is a lot. And I'm, I was just very, very excited to talk about it. And I'm really happy that you were willing to share your story as well and your perspective. Absolutely. Always happy to share. And I'm always happy to have more conversations. (laughs) Um, Before we wrap up, just a couple of things. One is uh, I made a reference to the fact that one of the things that can be an issue with weight is gut health. When I said the microbiome, which by the way, my last podcast episode was about gut health um, and the gut brain connection. So if that's of any interest, please feel free to go check that out. Um, And that has a lot to do with the digestive system as well. And as it happens, um, our lovely guest today, Care, and I are working on a series of workshops together. And the first one is coming up very, very soon. And you should all keep your eyes and ears open for it because we are teaming up to do a nutrition and body work workshop. Care, what did you call it? Do you remember? Not the workshop, but like the, the movement part of the workshop. Uh, we are going to be doing a movement practice that will involve a little bit of yoga and maybe some dance, depending, that will target the digestive system so that your digestion feels a little bit more in line and exercised. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, and the nutrition segment will be full of hot tips on how to, you know, optimize your digestion and it's going to be really fun and we will keep you posted. And if you haven't already subscribed to sweetvegan.net, go there and you'll be up to date on when that's happening. And Kara, do you have a newsletter or, a, you know, yeah. So what's your website address for everybody to hear? So my website is careessentially.com. And you can find all of my services there, as well as the ability to sign up for my newsletter. The services that I do offer, I am a consciousness intuitive coach for women. And as I mentioned throughout this, it is to help women as they go through an awakening into a deeper part of themselves which can be quite scary in many different perspectives because there's people that we can't necessarily talk to or who can relate. So I have the training and the ability through different mediums and techniques to hold space and to also be able to provide guidance. Uh, This is a six month program. And I also have a Reiki and Uh, card reading service, which is hourly. So if you ever are interested in having a distance Reiki session or a card reading, I offer that as well. I am in the midst of putting together some new projects. I originally had some moon circles going on, which will be continued, but right now it's in an up-leveling. So I'm not fully going to disclose it because if I'm being honest, we're still in the midst of creating the foundation. (laughs) Um, and you can find me on different socials. So you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at care essentially, 
You can find me on Insight Timer if you're looking for a free meditation at Care Essentially as well. I forgot about that. That's true. I listened to that. Put it in my favorites. Um, well, Kara, thank you so very much for being here today. Thanks for taking time out of your day and your life to come and share your story with everybody. It means so much to me and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much to everybody who took the time to listen in and thank you for all just being you. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore sweet vegan underscore or on the Sweet Vegan Coaching Facebook page. Feel free also to check out sweetvegan.net where you'll find a ton of free recipes, articles, meal plans, and the Sweet Vegan Spills the Tea digital magazine. Have a great day and take good care of yourselves.